to our Muskegon days. Only um, you went to Allen Avenue. I went to Calvin Church. So I wasn't there for your profession of faith. It might also be because I was three years old at the time. All right? All right? By the time I made my profession of faith, it was the gray Psalter hymnal instead of the blue. So, so. Well, welcome to our second week of our Diving Deeper summer series. Uh, we're spending our summer exploring some of the big topics of what we believe, okay? Things that maybe you heard about in Sunday school in Allen Avenue Christian Forum Church, wherever you went to church, or, or catechism, and, and you haven't thought again, you haven't thought about again for a long time, or maybe some of us haven't heard of these at all. We didn't, we didn't get that training, and, and so we don't know exactly what these kind of larger doctrinal things really are. And so we're going to, for the summer, we're not only going to look at them and, and understand what they are, but we're going to ask the question, so what? So what? Why, why is it important? Did I just, am I still there? There we go. Why is it important that we know these things? What does it matter for my life? Why should I even care? Okay, so Brent started this off last week by, by looking at the Trinity, right? We, we started by appropriately recognizing that that we have a God who on one hand is beyond our comprehension and understanding. We can't fully explain him. But on the other hand, we have a God who also makes himself known to us, who loves us, who is actively engaged in, in our lives, who wants to be in relationship with us. So we started very appropriately last week by recognizing that, that we have a God. Okay, this morning we look at how do we get to know that God better? How do we know who he is? How do we know what he's doing? And there's, there's really two basic answers to that question. And the first one is pretty obvious to us. Right? God makes himself known to us through his written word, through this book, the Bible. Right? We get to know God in this book. Open up this book and you will meet God. You, you will be... You will find his purpose. You will find his plan. You will read about his love. You'll know his heart as you read this book. Okay, but, but there's another book as well. Okay, there's a second way for us to know God, and that's the way that we're going to focus on this morning. This creation all around us reads like a book revealing God, who he is, and what he's doing. And far too often, you and I miss the message that God is giving to us through his creation. Right? We miss it theologically because we, we, we turn the creation story that we read here in Genesis 1 and 2 into a, a, a theological debate, right? Young earth or old earth. We debate literal or symbolic. We're so busy arguing and debating about those things that we miss the message that God's trying to give us. We miss the message because we make creation political, right? We argue global warming, we argue ecology, and we throw everybody into the extreme camps. Either you're a, you're a tree hugger or an earth hater, right? And we argue and fight about it, and we miss the message God's trying to give us. Far too often, we miss it practically as well. We take this world all around us with all of its beauty for granted, we live our days without even thinking about what God is revealing to us through it. And yet this creation is important enough 
that in this pretty small book, it gets two chapters. Pretty significant chunk of time at the very beginning. This creation is significant enough that, that this story is told twice. So we need to pay attention here. There's something God is telling us. And what is it that this creation reveals to us? Well, the Belgic Confession tells us that the universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book. Like a beautiful book revealing God to us. On the one hand, let's think about that book. On the one hand, that book is a reference book. Right? Creation is a reference book revealing God's presence to us on a consistent basis. And let's think about reference books. They aren't the most exciting books in the world, are they? Dictionaries, science books, math textbooks. They don't tell stories. They give information. They give us truth. They show us fact. And so I, I think the Belgic Confession is telling us that at every moment of every day, God's creation is pointing us towards God, is giving us truth, the truth of his presence, is showing us the facts of his love, of his grace, of his beauty, of his power. Yeah, I may be a little biased, but I think Michigan, with all of its lakes and rivers and sunsets and thunderstorms, is an especially good place to see God through his creation. Our ears, our ears get to hear the roaring of the water and the rustling of the leaves and the singing of the birds that point towards God. Our eyes get to see this great expanse of water and the brilliance of the colors in fall and the details of each snowflake in winter proclaiming God's presence and power. Our noses get to smell the aroma of the roses, the smell of the first rainfall. Our mouths get to enjoy the refreshing flood of the watermelon and the sour sting of those little sour blueberries and the popping of the corn coming off the cob that I can't wait for in a few weeks, right? And the list could obviously go on and on and on of the glorious beauty of this creation all around us that you and I get to enjoy. In fact, next week, 10 men from Ivanrust are, are heading out for a, a week of backpacking on Isle Royale. They're going to experience the spectacular revelation of God through his creation. I don't think they're going to be able to miss him. But we so often are oblivious to all of those glorious expressions of God, all those glorious experiences of creation that point us, that reference us towards our creator. Too often we're thrilled with the creation, but we ignore God the creator. John Calvin himself, hundreds of years ago, points out how ridiculous that is of us. He wrote this. He said, nothing is more preposterous than to enjoy the very remarkable gifts that attest to the divine nature within us, yet to overlook the author who gives them to us at our asking. Yeah, that's what we do. We ignore the message that God is giving to us through his creation. And that message that God sends to us is simply and profoundly a reminder of his purpose and of his presence. 
I want you to listen to the words of Psalm 19, just the first four verses of Psalm 19, because David makes it so clear, the, the purpose and extent of God's message in creation. Listen to these words. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. I'm going to read those verses again. And I want you to really think about, think about what it's saying. Picture it. The heavens declare the glory of God. Can you see it? Can you see that glory? The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Can you just hear those, those declarations pouring forth day by day? Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech. There is no language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In other words, this creation is constantly shouting out the existence of God. Let me give you just one example of that. One example of creation revealing God's love for us, revealing God's power. Here's the example. The example is you. You sitting right here in the pew this morning. Okay, there's a genetic engineer from the University of Washington who, who studied the human body. I want you to listen to a few facts about you right here, right now. And stand amazed at your creator. He, he figured out the math and he said the human heart, the average human heart pumps over a thousand gallons a day. That's you sitting there right now. Your heart is going to pump 1,000 gallons of blood today. That's 55 million gallons in a lifetime. It never stops. It will beat 2.5 billion times in your life. And you don't even think about it. There it goes. Your lungs. Your lungs contain 1,000 miles of capillaries. 1,000 miles. Okay, in the process of exchanging oxygen and carbon dioxide, which you're doing right now as you breathe in and you breathe out, which you're doing as simple as that. No one ever taught you how to do it, right? Your lungs is changing oxygen and carbon dioxide. That process is so complicated, he said, it would be easier for a man to be shot out of a cannon and to carve the words of the Lord's Prayer on the head of a pin before he lands. And yet there you are, doing the impossible. Your DNA. Your DNA contains 2,000 genes per chromosome. Okay, that doesn't mean much to me, okay? but it seems like a big number. Okay? Think about this. Six feet of your DNA, six, about this much, six feet of your DNA are folded into each cell nucleus. That's really small. Okay? A, a cell nucleus is six microns long. Again, that doesn't mean much to me. So he compared it. He said that would be the same as putting 30 miles of fishing line into a cherry pit. Okay, and it's not just stuffed in there, he said. It's folded carefully in there. Because if it's folded one way, your DNA, if it's folded one way, it becomes 
a liver cell. And if it's folded another way, it becomes a skin cell. And on and on. Okay, and your DNA crushed into this little tiny cell nucleus. If you write out the information of one cell, it would take 300 books, each 500 pages long. The information in one cell within you. And the human body contains enough DNA. Okay, we're talking about one cell. Now you add all the DNA, you have enough DNA that if it was stretched out, it would circle the sun 260 times. Mind blown, right? One more. Let's talk about how your body uses energy pretty efficiently. Okay, if the average adult rides a bike for, for one hour at 10 miles an hour, it uses the amount of energy contained in three ounces of carbohydrate. Okay, if a car were that efficient, it would get 900 miles per gallon. That's you. That's you sitting right here, right now. And you think all of this maybe happened by accident because lightning struck a pond somewhere? I don't think so. I don't think so. You and I are walking, well, right now sitting advertisements for God. The very design of your body shouts out the existence to God. This glorious creation leaves every single one of us without excuse. The evidence is all around. God exists. Again, John Calvin says this. He says, wherever you cast your eyes, there is no spot in the universe wherein you cannot discern at least some sparks of his glory. It's everywhere you look. So this universe... This world around you is a reference book pointing you to God on a consistent basis. But it's so much more than that, too. Because honestly, reference books don't excite me all that much. When's the last time you thought, I'm going to read a dictionary for a while and pull out? No, you don't do that. Right? They don't excite you that much. They're useful, but they're rarely inspirational. Okay, this glorious universe not only gives us facts, about God, but it tells his story as well. This creation is a storybook revealing God's story to you and to me. You see, God is busy writing history right now. He's writing his story, and each one of us is a part of it. We have our place in his story, and this creation tells us what his story is all about from beginning to end, from cover to cover, and it tells us where we fit in that story. Right? Like, like any good book, like any good story book, you start at the beginning, right? You start at the very beginning, and, and the very cover of, of, this, of God's story, the very front page, tells us about creation. I read the first two chapters of Genesis, and you'll see a perfect creation in an awesome relationship with God. Everything is just right. And if we are impressed by, by this broken creation around us, imagine how impressive a perfected creation was. Right? With a perfected creation where God walks and talks personally with his people, where everything is just exactly the way it's supposed to be, where there is no death, where there is no disease, where, where there is no disaster. That's where this story starts. Unfortunately, you and I pretty quickly invite sin into this perfect creation, and we break it, 
And the story begins to get messy, and the relationship with God gets messy, and, and all creation gets messy. But if you, if you peek ahead to the end of the book, like I do way too often when I'm reading a good book, just to see how it's going to end. If you turn to the end, what do you find? You don't find God just restoring a spiritual relationship with his people. You find God physically restoring his creation again. You find a new creation. Listen to Revelation 21. It's the vision that John got to see when, he, when God let him glimpse the end of the story. John writes this, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. Sound like the way it started? Yeah. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for this old, old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making it like Eden was. God's story starts with a perfect creation and it ends with a perfect recreation. And in between those two covers is the story of God's work going on right now, bringing us back to what we were intended to be. It's a story of God's love and God's redemption perfecting us again. It's his restoration project. That's where you and I fit into God's story. We get to experience his restoration, not only all around us, but within us. This profound creation and recreation story tells us what we need to know about God. It tells us about his presence. It tells us about his character. It tells us about his role in this recreation process. You see, it takes, it takes two things for God to be able to successfully bring this creation and bring us back to what he intended us to be. It takes a God who is both willing and able. Without either one of those, it's not going to happen. Let, let me illustrate that truth for you this morning. Let me illustrate that need for both willingness and ableness. Um, maybe with money. Money always, always, I see the heads pop right up. Money always catches people's attention, doesn't it? You know, I'm going to head over here, and I'm going to pick on Elizabeth here this morning, if you don't mind, Elizabeth. You got, I need $10. Will you give me $10? I don't have any with me. You don't have any with you? Well, so that makes it so you are unable, right? So you're not, I'm not going to get 10 bucks from you. I bet your dad has 10 bucks. Probably. You want to give her 10 bucks? Awesome. Now you're able, right? That $10 is yours. You can keep it forever you, if you want. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Chris doesn't mind. I'm sure he's fine with that. Do you want to give it to me? Sure. Do you really want to give it to me? 
You can keep it. If I buy a lot of ice cream, it's totally up to you. You don't care? Well, that's very generous of you. I thought that you'd want to keep it. So you showed me that if you, you didn't have the ability, you couldn't do it. But once you were able, if you had the willingness, you could. Would you like to keep it? I think you really do, don't you? Because you're not really willing, are you? You really want to buy that, you can keep it. I'm sure your dad would love to have you keep it. So it's all yours. It's all yours. She really wanted to keep it, I know deep down. It takes both the ability. She didn't have the ability to start with, right? And so I'm not going to get 10 bucks from her. Thank you, Elizabeth, by the way. And when she finally did have the ability, if she didn't have the pure willingness, then it's not going to happen either. You know what we have? We have a God who is both willing and able in this creation and recreation story. He is willing and able to create us in this world in the very first place. He didn't have to. God had no need for us. But he wanted to be in relationship with us. He wanted to be in a love relationship with people who are created in his image. And so he's not only able, but he's willing to create us. Okay? And then we messed it up. And our God is not only able, but he's willing now to recreate us. To bring this world and this creation and you and me back into relationship with him. He is willing, and he is able. He's willing and able to recreate you through his son and his spirit. He's willing and able to transform you. To, write, to rewrite the end of his creation story to victory. That's the desire of the heart of the Father. That's the work that the Son has accomplished through the empty cross and the empty tomb. And that's the work that the Holy Spirit is working in you today. Creation is telling us day in and day out about God's redemption story that we are a part of, that you are invited to be a part of. And too often we miss it. God's writing his story. We see it, we experience it all around us. More importantly, we see it and experience it within us. You are a part of that story. Created by God's desire. Recreated and perfected by his power and his love. So God's creation story is being written right now. We know where it starts Starts with a perfect creation. We know where it ends. It ends with a perfectly recreated creation. And here we are in the middle. God is willing and able to rewrite your story, to redeem you, to give you a place in this new creation, to give you a home. Are you going to be a part of his recreation story? Let's pray for that process. Father God, we stand in awe of you that you are willing and able 
to rewrite our story. You didn't have to. You didn't have to create us in the first place. You don't have to love us. And yet you do. But you love us enough that you didn't give up on us after we spoiled your perfect creation when you could have written us off and destroyed us and let us go. You didn't. Instead, you chose to do the hard work of redeeming and restoring us. Father, open up our eyes to see your creation and your recreation pointing us towards you, pointing us towards your grace, pointing us towards your redemption story that you want to write in our lives. And when we get to the end of our story, Lord, may we have accepted your grace and your love enough so that we will stand recreated in the new creation, perfected and made whole forever in your presence. Father, if there's any of us here this morning who still wonder about your grace and mercy, who still wonder about your power to redeem us, who still wonder about the end of our story, please open up our eyes to the truth of your Son, to the truth that's proclaimed by an empty cross and an empty tomb, to the truth that's proclaimed by this creation all around us, through which you say, I love you, and I'm giving you good things. May we see you everywhere we look.